I can picture the boys over there, over there. making plenty of noise over there. Welcome to Fred Talks, where we sit down with the Army JAG Corps historian, archivist, and professor of legal history, Mr. Fred Bork. I'm Major Joel Hood, Marine Corps representative in the Center for Law and Military Operations. That's CLAMO. It's already episode 16, and we're quickly coming to the end of this season. After today's episode, there will be an episode about enlisted legal personnel and another about warrant officers. Then we will conclude this season with a farewell to Mr. Bork, who is retiring this year. This season, we have been focusing on Mr. Bork's book, Judge Advocates in the Great War. Our discussion today is based on Chapter 6, Biographical Sketches of Judge Advocates in World War I. Now, Mr. Bork, we've talked about some key players and notable judge advocates in previous episodes, but Chapter 6 of your book outlines all officers and some enlisted members of the Judge Advocate General's Department. Where did you find all of those sketches? Thank you, Major Hood, for the fine introduction. And I found these biographical sketches, to answer your question directly, in the National Archives in College Park, Maryland. So I was doing research for my book on judge advocates in combat, uh, that, and it was published more than 20 years ago now, and I happened to run across a folder that contained these very short biographical sketches of every lawyer who had served in the Judge Advocate General's department, as it was then known in World War One. So the interesting thing is that the executive officer at the Judge Advocate General's office, today we call it OTJAG, or the Office of the Judge Advocate General, Colonel Weeks was his name, and he was putting together what would essentially be a yearbook, uh, sort of a souvenir of the Great War, because... Everyone who served in World War I believed, at least initially, that it was the great war for civilization, that it would be the last big war we would have, because after all, peace was now at hand. So what Weeks did was he went out to every judge advocate, every man who'd served as a lawyer in the department, and he said, um, give me a biographical sketch of yourself and a photograph of yourself, and send me $5, which was a considerable amount of money in that era, and we will gather all these together and we'll privately publish a sort of yearbook. Everybody would probably get a page or a half a page. Well, the book never happened, and the photographs have disappeared. But fortunately, these little biographical sketches were not discarded. So I found all of these 425-plus sketches in this folder, and I immediately recognized that we, the JAG Corps, have something that no other branch in the Army has, an actual list of everyone who served in the department. So, you know, our records... Army, Navy, Marine Corps, Air Force, Coast Guard are so decentralized that if you went to someone and said, give me a list of everybody who was in uh, Armor Branch in World War II or the infantry in World War I, we couldn't do it. We don't have that sort of information. But because of this yearbook that never came about, we actually have these biographical sketches. So that's really the genesis of this book. Uh, the key component 
part being these biographical sketches, and then from there, obviously, some chapters talking about what judge advocates did. Well, that's just proof that way leads on to way, isn't it? <laughs> well, yes. as, as you were going through those, those sketches, did you notice any similarities across all of those narratives? Well, this is really a remarkable group of individuals. There's probably a, an explanation, and, and maybe I can provide this, but most of the individuals who served in the JAG department in World War I were very, very prominent lawyers in American life, law school professors, diplomats, politicians, names that are, are very well known to us today. For example, Felix Frankfurter, who would later serve as an associate justice on the Supreme Court. He was a major in the JAG department in World War I. Wigmore, the famous Wigmore on evidence, uh, he was a judge advocate in World War I. Uh, Stimson, who was the Secretary of War uh, during uh, World War II in the Roosevelt administration, he was a member of the department. And I can give you a couple of other examples. Uh, Joshua Reuben Clark, after whom Brigham Young University's law school is named. Uh, Joshua Clark, Reuben Clark, was a judge advocate in World War I. And another example would be uh, Patrick Hurley, very, very famous uh, personality uh, from the 20s and 30s, was a personal friend of the American humorist uh, Will Rogers, uh, Hurley, was a major in the department in World War I and later served as a major general and personal representative uh, from Franklin Delano Roosevelt. So these are some really remarkable uh, individuals. And I think that in this era, there was this incredible desire to serve the nation. We, we certainly had a Spanish-American war where there was some service, but this big world war that started, there were a lot of prominent men who wanted to serve, and so they clamored to get into the JAG Corps. My recollection is that more than 5,000 lawyers applied to be judge advocates, and if you figure we ended up with about 425, that's a pretty, pretty significant cut rate. It certainly is. To what do you ascribe the of uh, the desire to to serve in that era was it simply for political recognition or was it uh, a way to get ahead what was your sense going through these i i don't think either of those i think it was a simply a desire on the part of these men who were prominent uh, attorneys that they wanted to be a part of this event and as I said earlier, everyone who served in World War I really believed that it was the war to end all wars, uh, the Great War for Civilization. They called it the Great War. And I think that uh, these, these men, all of whom were prominent lawyers, simply wanted to be a part of this historical event. I, unlike today where, sure, you might have someone who would want to be a part of, mil of the military for political reasons. I don't think there was any of that. This was really just about service. That really speaks volumes to the character of these men, and I think there's quite a bit that each of us could learn from them. Well, thank you, Mr. Bork. We owe it a debt of, a debt of gratitude to Colonel Weeks, I think, who collected and organized all of these biographical sketches. It shows that he and the JAG department felt that they were involved, as you said, 
in a truly historic undertaking, and indeed they were. To me, it is a reminder that military service and service as a judge advocate is not just a job. It's a calling. It's a calling to liberty and to defend all who love liberty. To quote Winston Churchill, the destiny of mankind is not decided by material computation. When great causes are on the move in the world, stirring men's souls, drawing them from their firesides, casting aside comfort, wealth, and the pursuit of happiness in response to impulses at once awe-striking and irresistible, we learn that we are spirits, not animals, and that something is going on in space and time and beyond space and time, which, whether we like it or not, spells duty. Tune in next month for episode 17, Enlisted Legal Personnel in World War I and Since. The views expressed or implied on this podcast are those of the participants and do not necessarily reflect the views of the United States Army JAG Corps or other organizations with which the participants are associated or by whom they are employed.